Welcome to the second season of Inside Indie Games, brought to you by the UK Games Fund. This is the podcast that takes you behind the scenes to see what it takes to create a great indie company and to craft the games that people long to play. This season, we're joined by a variety of industry experts, giving you their insights and advice on a wide range of topics. And on this episode, we're diving into the subject of building and managing your community. Let's face it, we all want fans, but fans aren't just your customers. They're also your biggest marketers. Fans are the ultimate focus group for getting feedback, testing ideas and developing new concepts. So how do we go about gaining and retaining those fans? How do we build that community around our game and our brand? Now, there are lots of tips and tactics that you're going to learn about on this episode, but we can't look past that one factor that is absolutely key. Creating a game that people want to play. Here's Paul Kilduff-Taylor, who advises other game development and tech businesses on product positioning, user growth and marketing. There's really no substitute for um, for making something that's eye-catching, that's conceptually exciting. Um, a good game is somewhere that a person wants to spend a lot of time. You know, people have limited time in their lives. They're busy. They're working hard. They might, might have family commitments. They might have all sorts of other things, and they want to go somewhere to just get a break from that. Put their mind into a different system. Go to a different place. You know, visit somewhere they could never visit in real life, and just spend time there. So you're already selling that idea of you know, here's a cool place to spend time. Uh, and everything there is going to be kind of catering to you in some way. Uh, and it's it, it's going to be a sort of a good alternative to the mundanity of, of your life or a good a good break and a good relaxation. So if you can convey that idea outwardly, then it's going to draw people in. A lot of developers make games because they kind of want to do a certain subset of features or they, they think something's cool or whatever. And, and that's a good starting point. But it's if you think about that response um, and that, that sort of service you're providing to people in a way, then that can really lead you to some good places. So creating a world that your fans want to live in is front and centre to this idea of building a community. We've talked extensively about that on other episodes of this podcast, so let's now assume we've got that part taken care of. Our next step here is to find out some of the things our panel are doing, or have done, to build communities around their own games. Back to Paul. So one of the things we're working on at the moment, community-wise, uh, on a title uh, that I'm publishing called Fights in Tight Spaces, is uh, we have a very active Discord community and we're running a meta game in this. This is something that you've seen from other publishers like No More Robots have been doing it a lot. And that basically consists of giving that community things to do. So we have kind of small role-playing elements where they're presented with a scenario and they have to vote on which way to, which way to go or which action to take. And then also we have a setup where uh, we've broken down the gameplay of the game into a sort of simple choice-based uh, little mini game so you'll have a situation it's a tactical game where you are kind of uh, fighting enemies 
in tight spaces, uh, hence the name. So we have a situation where you might have a screen grab of the game uh, and then the community can vote on which action to take. Do they do a punch, a kick or a block or do they move out of the way? That kind of thing. So that sort of thing uh, within your community just really helps keep engagement up. It means when a new person comes in, they have things to do. They have a reason to stick around. That's beyond just, you know, talking to other community members or, or looking at your updates. You're not just kind of feeding in development information and expecting everyone to be excited about that all the time. You know, people want to have fun and they want to kind of relax in these communities so giving them more options to do that i think is really powerful for for retention uh on a community level tara ready love shark so we're just starting to build our community right now because our first sort of big release will happen um later this year but we've done a couple of things so first of all we work with beta testers that are in our target demographic so we go through our networks to find you know teenage girls who are interested in this type of game and we don't just you know send them a survey and that's it we tend to work with them ongoing um so initially we'll we'll get them to test the build we'll do like a, a video call with them talk to them about what their experience was like and then we keep them updated so after that they're always a part of our sort of our, our sort of club going forward um so you know when new when new releases come out we'll you know we get in touch with them we get their feedback and try this. What did you think of this? Okay, well, what about that one? Or do you prefer A or B? Um, this sort of thing. So they're, they're not just sort of test subjects that they've they've done, you know, they've spoke to us once and then gone. They're sort of with us for life now. Um, and it's a two-way thing. Like, you know, it's at the start, we start with um, giving them little things like some Amazon vouchers or maybe some merchandise to sort of um, get them a bit of brand affinity. And the hope is that when we do um, release something, that they'll actually help us to seed that on their social medias or sharing with their friends or you know because they feel a part of this mission and you know when we bring these testers on board we don't just say do a test do a test a game and you'll get an amazon voucher we say this is why we're building this because we feel like you know gen z girls game nearly as much as gen z boys but there's just not content being made for them um or very very small amount of content being made for them and we want to make stuff that's not patronizing that's not pink and girly that actually you know uh, it's in line with with your your interests it's authentic to you and when we tell them that it's you know they start to become like engaged with the brand and and sort of believe in the mission that we're on um and then you know when you interact with the community like that then they they want you to succeed so they want to help you so they want their friends to come on board and it starts to become quite organic. So we have our direct line to them. They also follow our Instagram and they get updates and they'll they'll continue to do so as we grow. David Hamilton, Ninja Kiwi. Yeah, so right now we've got, obviously to decide this now, we've got actually four community managers as full-time jobs. So we've got two in our Dundee office and, and two in the New Zealand office. So the fortunate thing gives us 24-7 support. So there's always somebody awake. That's the beauty of having an office in New Zealand, I suppose, but not when I need to go over there with 32 hours travel. But, the uh, yeah, I mean, we, we use the Discord servers, uh, you name it. We've, we've, got, we've got our community team out there. Uh, one rule that we made was always respond to an email. doesn't matter if they're swearing at you and, or anything or telling your game's rubbish, just, just reply to them because most of the time they don't expect the replies and these are the guys that will stay with you and play your next games because they know that they're going to get great customer service. So, 
yeah, I mean, nowadays it's easier for us because of the size of our size of our community. But in the early days, I I tried everything for baby grow. I I set up fake accounts on on mummy mummy forums and pretended I was a mummy and talked about my uh, my baby that I never obviously had, and then just dropped it in there that they uh, have you checked out this latest game. Uh, I mean, fundamentally, the the the, the players if with with no players, you you don't get any sales. So you do need to to kind of make this community uh, and 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 make your community grow. Stephanie Warwick, Jolly Good Games. We were in production for Starbird for a long time because we we didn't have any funding, and as I said before, it was a bit, bit of a passion project. Um, I think the first time we made a a big sort of noise with it was at Pocket Gamer Connects and. Uh, I think we came third in the big indie pitch. So we were on cloud nine. That was, this was just us three idiots rolling around trying to make a game. And then actually we were told this is quite good. (laughs) Hey, third prize. Couldn't believe it. So on the second day we were given our own little table where we could let people come and play. So the night before I run out to Tesco's, got some paper, pens, pencils and all sorts. So people were coming along and then they were designing their own characters. So they play the game for a bit, go, oh, I really like that design their own characters and then we were putting them out on our Twitter on Instagram and Facebook and people were voting for ones that they really liked the idea of coming up with ideas for what their special powers would be and things like that uh, and then we actually t- got to John our artist he drew them in the Starbeard style and we put them into the game so we really wanted the, the players to feel like you know you're actually part of our dev team as well what what you're suggesting what you're designing we, we, I think I think anyone is absolutely blown away when someone draws something or has ideas or has that much passion for something you've created. So the minute people were drawing stuff or tweeting them into us, we were like, oh, my God, our silly little game. And you like it so much that you've done this. It was is amazing. But to put them in the game as well, they were just absolutely blown away. We were blown away as well. And it's one of those core bits that we actually took through into the game. So we now are putting in a a forum in the game so people can have community conversations in the game. And we're going to bring that to the next game as well. Just it's kind of like player created content, but we just that we wouldn't be here if they didn't support us. So we want to give them something back. And it just it just works really nicely. Shaz Yusuf, Honey Tribe Studios. Interestingly, it's not, it's more of a, so on Twitter, for example, uh, there'll be people posting that they've made uh, videos of it on, on YouTube or Twitch, or I'll be contacting people on it. And they're the kind of people that kind of seem to have built a little community around it of, they're always, you know, supportive or, so for example, one guy was just tweeting about the game and he was looking for people to play with. So I, so and I retweeted it under our uh, company, Twitter. And he's so grateful for that and just thought that was amazing that he's now, um, he's translating the game into his native language, which is Brazilian Portuguese, because at the moment it's only in English. So I won't say we've done a great job on building a community for for the game, uh, our, our last game, BFF or Die, but it's definitely something we've kind of got better at, or I've got better at as we've gone along, which will now be sort of really pushing that forwards to the next level for the next thing we'll be working on. Gina Jackson sold out. 
we're doing all sorts of, of different stuff to um, to work with our community. At the moment, we've just launched um, a whole uh, cookbook around Radical Rabbit Stew, which has been a really good fun. We've had uh, recipes sent in. We've created a whole uh, cookbook that's now going out, um, mainly because this, uh, this game is obviously about space chefs uh, and, and rabbits. But it's just something uh, that's, uh, that's fun and, and people have really got... Um, involved with but I think there's there's huge stuff that shifted during this coronavirus crisis we've seen a lot of conferences go online we've seen more and more um, digital events Um, we're seeing more games coming through that wouldn't maybe have come through an E3 or a GDC and wouldn't have broken through Um, and certainly from our side we're seeing massive impacts on wish lists on games that maybe we wouldn't have had the budget to put on a stand at um at e3 because that's a huge investment um but now we've got a an interesting system and i'm really hoping that in the future um, we're going to see more and more stuff online with bloggers so good games are coming through as much as games with big budgets It's common to look at the thriving communities based around long-established games and companies and then wonder why your own endeavours haven't got anywhere near that level of engagement. But, as we covered on the last episode, there is no such thing as overnight success. And there's definitely a degree of patience required here. Here's David Hamilton of Ninja Kiwi. Yeah, definitely. You definitely need to have patience and... I, I, this was weird because I'm very impatient. So and we've done it so many times, the, the us and the fellow directors, where we launch a game and it doesn't do very well within the first week or two. And then we're and already in our head, we're sunsetting it. And really, we've built the we've built the radio. We just need to tune it to get to find the station. So, yeah, definitely, whether it's your your product or your 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 community, you, you're not going to get that. From the get-go again it's like the snowball you're not going to be able to just make this massive snowball you've got to start it up and roll it down as it gets bigger and bigger and then one of these things is it'll get easier the bigger it gets so you've just got it's just that wee bit to get it rolling itself is the is the issue yeah it, it's really tough and you do feel like you're screaming into the void at first because you're like oh my god i've made this gif it's funny, look, oh, here's a bug, or, ah, and you'll get, like, two retweets, and they're your mum, and your, your second cousin, or something, so you're just like, mm. but you have to just stick with it, and what I would recommend for any budding community manager is get all your team involved, because there's a lot of stuff that they do that they don't realise is actually highly entertaining for, for a community to get involved in. Stuff like, oh, I just recorded two hours of me modelling this character, uh, oh, do you want it? Yeah, yeah, that's actually really cool. People would love to see the process. Oh, okay then. Um, and other bits and pieces like that. So let everybody know that you're looking just for, even if it's just a scribble on a napkin or here's a really funny bug I found or whatever. There's, there's Everyone can be producing content within the team for the community manager to engage with. Um, but it, yeah, it can be very frustrating because <laughs> you start off tiny and you're, you're yet, another, yet another indie dev trying to push your game. Well, the most important thing I would say for any indie dev is you are not a brand page. Do not think of yourself as a brand page because if you're a brand page, you're you're a page that's trying to sell something to someone and nobody wants to be sold to. You're a page that's there to engage with people. 
people will come and ask questions and answer and have a conversation they don't want to be sold to i think it's the same with any with anything that's commercially successful if you look at that and think right what are they doing you might be missing a trick there because you might want to think what have they been doing for the past five or ten years as they built up to that point um so yeah you know building anything of value is going to take time so I think, you know, every indie's dream is like they're going to make something and they're going to put it out and it's going to be this infant success. And that's that's very rarely the case. So the slow and steady build is, you know, is going to that's how it's going to be for most people or most companies. Uh, that's just the way of the world, isn't it? Building a thriving community is a bit like tending a garden. There's always work to be done, always something that needs your attention. Some game developers might feel like they simply don't have the time to dedicate to community work. But just like gardening, the more work you put in, the more you'll get out of it. And you don't necessarily have to do it all by yourself. Here's Tara Reddy of Love Shark. We prioritise it because what we build is essentially going to be a product that ties between games and social media very, very closely. So community is like integral part of that. So because we know that's a priority, we hired, we've hired one person to the company and that's their role is to, you know, even though we're quite early and we, we don't even have, you know, a live game or like a, like a big community, yet, that person has been with us for probably about six months or more now. And, and her, full, her job full time has been to build the brand, to build the social media, to start engaging with the community, to be doing the research. And it helps that she is very on board with the mission like she inherently is you know that's that that's her personal belief as well that we should be um you know building more content for this um set of players but also she's really young so she also gets them um as well so again it just comes across as really like i guess authentic it's all about scheduling uh, and and time management so you need to be it's perfectly possible for a for a kind of one-man band creator to engage with their community um discord again is a great platform for that you know you can just have discord open you can have particular times of day when you respond to questions you can post things in there you can post updates on what you're working on you know a good habit to get into is talking publicly about what you're working on at every opportunity just really helps bring attention to your work helps you share valuable information and things that you're learning as, as you're going along so just it's just getting into those habits and like like any habit it's normally about making the time for it prioritizing it um, and that means prioritizing everything else around it so that you you know you keep that time precious it's just difficult uh, and, you know, don't be afraid to uh, to fail and to get it wrong, because you will. Everyone trying to do this stuff won't do enough at a certain time or, or you know, will miss out on opportunities. That That's just fine. It's not sort of placing that judgment on yourself constantly that, that you're failing at it. Um, it's just about putting in the effort uh, and, and and keeping it as a kind of constant stream of things and, and, and keeping that the specific times where you can go on and give the community some real attention. It doesn't take a huge amount, particularly at a, at a small scale. I think sometimes people conflate kind of community building with community management. And in games, a lot of the community building comes from how cool is your game? How cool is the idea? Is it exciting people like we like we discussed before? It's about getting the attention 
first and then you'll get people wanting to join your communities and wanting to talk to you and engage with you and then maintaining that doesn't have to be a huge huge drain on your time it's just something that you you have to do but with the right relationship with the community you know they can really help you out people are very willing to do testing they're very willing to look at features or suggest things that might be useful um, so you've got to develop those skills of filtering that of, of engaging with it in the right way and maintaining a positive relationship on both sides you know your community can sense if you're just trying to take from them all the time um, so you have to give something to, that, to them to get something back so as we've touched upon quite a lot so far many companies choose to hire a dedicated community manager this is someone who can give this area of your business their full and undivided attention going down the community manager route not only helps build that community it frees up you and the rest of your team to focus on the work that you do best here's Gina Jackson of Sold Out uh, we do have a community manager and we are growing our community team uh, at the moment. Um, but sold out's a little bit different because we still work in um, in retail. So we have our third party uh, partners, you know, amazing British companies like Rebellion and uh, and Team 17 and Frontier that we do their, their box publishing for. And then we have our own second party partners. Uh, products that, that we work with and the devs that we work with and then we were recently acquired by uh, Tobman Swedish company and then we have our sort of first party internally developed products um, all at a very different scale um, but again if we're going back to our conversation on acquisition and mergers you can see there that there are lots of different pieces that that all fit together and have different skill sets that we can all learn from each other so we've become part of a a bigger family um, but I'm going to use a horrible expression together we are stronger and together we can bring in different influences so um, it's been a, a fun experience so far. I think I had the wrong attitude before for when BFFDI was being um, uh, produced when we were making it I was thinking well is it really the kind of game that people sort of talk about for weeks and weeks or, or is it more something you play for, you know, maybe a few weekends and then you move on to the next game. So I had the wrong thinking. Um, I should have been thinking along the lines that Mike Rose was, you're not directly just talking about the game, but you're thinking of activities that maybe are thematically related to the game, but really you're effectively building an, an activity club or for want of a better word, a youth club, but maybe it's for people in their 30s, you know? Um, so that's the attitude I should have had and is the attitude I will be having moving forward. So yes, definitely having, have it, if you have, you know, the luxury of someone who can do that full time, perfect. Um, that's not always easy to do if you're in a small team, but at least some time from some of the team should, I think, definitely be dedicated to that. On Fights in Tight Spaces, the, the game I'm currently publishing, yep, we do. We have a fantastic uh, community manager, Connie, who does an enormous amount of work uh, and also kind of helps out with, with marketing assets and creates a lot of marketing assets herself. So we're lucky in that setup um, to have a dedicated person. But I've worked on projects you know, where I've done it, I've worked in projects where um, it's, just, it's a lone developer and, and, and they've been working on it themselves. So it's, it, it, it's all different kind of structures and shapes and sizes. But it, if, you can, if you can afford a dedicated community marketing person, that can be a, a great way to um, expand your business because it can be very time consuming and it needs a lot of, a lot of specialists and uh, expertise. So, if you're already won over to the idea of hiring a dedicated community manager, either right now or in the future, what are the next steps? 
Are good community managers born or made? Do you want to look outside of the company and go down the traditional job ad route, or does the answer lie much closer to home? Here's Stephanie Warwick of Jolly Good Games. I think mostly it's somebody in the team that already loves to use social media, already follows a bunch of games companies that they engage the campaigns on and goes, yeah, I'll do that. That tends to be how community managers are picked. Uh, Generally, um, community managers and community management isn't really a recognised discipline outside of the people that already know what it is. You can speak to anyone, they'll be like, I don't know what that is. I don't know what a community manager is, which is disappointing. And, And you don't see that many roles for community manager go live on like LinkedIn or whatever. Because people just don't have the understanding of the purpose. I, even I read in the, the Times the other day, the third most non-essential job was a social media manager. <laughs> so it just goes, goes to show you that they are sort of undervalued, but they are very critical parts of the team. Um, the first thing most people do when they're talking to an investor, publisher, anyone, anyone sort of that might throw money at you, they'll check your website and they'll check your social media. It's one of the first things you do. I'll I'll just Google your game, shall I? There's your website. If your website's rubbish, oh, oh dear. Let me just have a look on Twitter. Oh, 14 followers, right? And it just gives that, that first impression is not the best. So community management and marketing is being recognized more as a specific discipline in games now. One thing you do find is that companies will often try and hire a generalized marketing person who does PR, community management, paid marketing, content production. And that can be pretty demanding. It's quite rare that someone can have skills right across those things. I mean, people do, but uh, it it can be a role where, um, you know, there's excessive demands placed on on an individual. So you have to be a bit careful with that. Um, But yeah, no, it can come from within the company as well certainly very small companies it's normally a job that perhaps can be shared among different developers or or or, you know one person in particular who might have also have a technical role will take that on you know at mode seven i used to do all the the music and audio for our games um as well as business development and marketing so i had a technical creative role and uh, a sort of outward facing role whereas my business partner was uh a kind of designer and programmer and he did the financial side and sort of some of the business admin so we sort of split up the business functions and creative and development functions it can work very well um yeah so there's different ways that you can do it yeah i think it's a really hard one because obviously they're kind of going to be the face of your brand and your company um, or the voice of your brand so this person we actually knew for a while we'd worked with them previously so we had a, like a really good understanding of of what they were about and, and what their work was like so that was almost like quite straightforward but I think in general finding community manager um in, I think the best way is through community um so I actually helped a a friend who has a game company to to start looking for a community manager recently because I really understand her company what she's doing and it, it resonates with me so it was easy for me to find like a number of people in my community that it resonated with them um, and then put them forward. So I think it sounds like a bit weird, but because community managers are so much about community, finding them through that that medium, I think it, it makes sense, probably more so than putting an ad on online. But yeah, it can be difficult because if you don't have a big network, then it's really hard to find people through community. Um, like when we started the company, we didn't really know barely anyone in games. Now it's two years later and it's starting to get a bit easier. We have more people we can hit up on. But yeah, like it's definitely a challenge. 
And I, I think the best people do come through referral usually. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside Indie Games, brought to you by the UK Games Fund. A big thanks also to our contributors, Gina, Shaz, Paul, Tara, David and Stephanie. We'll be hearing more from them throughout this season, and you'll find links to their work in the episode show notes. Be sure to hit subscribe on your podcast listening app of choice. That way you'll never miss an episode, as new ones will be delivered to you automatically the moment they're published. And for all previous episodes, as well as subscribe links, head on over to ukgamesfund.com slash podcasts. That's ukgamesfund.com slash podcasts.